cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Matt Hawkins, founder of Entourage of Bet Capital. Matt, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Kellen, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Excited to talk to Matt. Excited to talk about uh, capital in the cannabis industry. What was it like, and was there any hesitancy to kind of enter in the cannabis industry? Well, there was significant hesitancy because I moved to bed at night thinking there was a chance I could go to jail. So, you know, that's obviously a lot different now. Uh, but back then, that was a concern of mine. And it was also not easy to raise capital because it was our first organized fund, obviously, in the space. And it was uh, not your everyday run-of-the-mill product that we were selling. So yeah, it was very nerve-wracking for a bunch of reasons. Different ballgame now, though. When you're writing those checks with operators and providing that capital for them, is there any sort of understanding of where that capital is going to be deployed, or is it up to them to have carte blanche, you know, guidance on what they want to do? No, that's. I think any private equity firm will tell you that use of proceeds is a is a you know a very very important part of the investment. I mean, you, you need to know that this capital is being used to execute on the business plan that was presented to you by the management team. And any misalignment on that is a is a huge deal. So we absolutely, you know, need to know that and need to be in agreement on it and used to be aligned contractually as well. Are there certain things that you've learned through let's say fund one that fund three are absolute deal breakers when you're looking for this management team or for for can you give us some examples there? Um, no shortcuts on the underwrites, in particular on management teams. I don't think we took Crazy shortcuts. Maybe we did deals because the, the, they just looked too good to be true. But there was something about the management team that just that we didn't feel right about, and shouldn't have done those deals. You got to go with your gut on if you don't feel comfortable with the operator or operators. And usually, where there's smoke, there's fire. And um, so we just won't ever, won't ever do that. Given the current economic environment that we're participating in, do you think cannabis operators need to be more you know, uh, strategic with their investments? Or now you think is the time to growth with the opportunities of new states coming online and the opportunity for big expansion? What, what do you think there? Well, for firms like us, this is a, a great opportunity. I mean, it sucks for the industry. It sucks for the operators because you know, there's very, very little capital. Valuations are at historic lows. But we've got capital and we can deploy it at very good valuation. So that's a, it's good for capital right now. But we don't have an unlimited amount of capital either. Um, and until something happens federally, you're not going to have institutional capital come in and, and we're going to be stuck in the situation going forward, whether the markets are good or bad. So yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an issue. With the lack of access to, to capital, what can other operators do if they don't have institutional investors? Where else can they lean to kind of get that extra lifeline in order to kind of help them in their, let's say, day to day? It's not easy. Business-friendly commercial lenders. If you've got real estate in your portfolio, that's one way to do it because there's a lot of real estate lenders in space that are all good, reputable companies that aren't going to, they're not doing, you know, loan-to-own type strategies. But there's not a lot of options. It's equity or real estate lenders. Do you think it hurts just the operators? Or do you think it hurts the industry as a whole with the, the limited access to capital? No, the industry as a whole, without a doubt. I mean, it, it's a trickle-down effect. Even the larger MSOs have incredibly high costs of capital throughout the balance sheet, and they're not operating as, as efficiently as they could. Hypothetically, you're in charge of, of California. What would be the first thing you'd change in order to kind of help the industry you know, 
evolve and move forward? Well, I would uh, immediately say that we're going to completely uh, redo our tax structure to where we are incentivized as a state to shut down the illicit market in order to generate more revenue that would come in because we're only converting about 40% of the market right now in the state, if that. I think Gavin Newsom has finally come to that understanding that he can only generate more revenue by going after the carrot that's just sitting there waiting to be taken, which is the illicit market. But you have to shut it down first, or you have to tamp it down. You have to reduce the tax burden on the legalized operators in order to convert users to where the cost is going to be similar. If you get the costs in a similar range, uh, people are going to go to dispensaries. They're not going to buy it on the street. What cannabis business or opportunity do you think is currently overlooked by eager entrepreneurs that are interested in entering the cannabis industry? Well, look at Hal Ads, for example. They, took, they looked at a situation that was going to be a problem down the road that may not be a, a huge problem right now, but will be a tremendous problem you know, sooner rather than later when they addressed it. I think the vision of looking past where we are now, what needs to happen when things get a little bit more normalized, maybe we don't know what those opportunities are. So having the, the vision to, to you know, create solutions to problems that are either just beginning or about to occur are kind of where the great entrepreneurial minds go to work. What is one concept you have learned that would shock or surprise other individuals operating in the cannabis industry? Well, I'll tell you what else. I'll put it this way. I think there's a misnomer that there aren't good operators in the industry. And I would say that within the past couple, three years, we've seen a tremendous influx of fantastic operators in this space. EEC has been around for almost eight years. What did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong? What we got right was that this is a real industry and that we've returned a tremendous amount of capital for our investors. And Fund 1, Fund 2, and Fund 3 aren't far behind. I've built a team I'm proud of. I've got two amazing partners. And it's a joy to go to work every day because our team is really, really special. And probably, see, biggest mistakes. There's too many to even... Thank you. The deals we passed on are, are, you know, thinking the valuations are too high and up selling for three or four X of that. But, you know, there's, and we made decisions on some deals that didn't pan out. But at the end of the day, we're a, you've got 20 plus investments in each fund. And as much as I hate to admit it, you're going to, you're going to make, you're going to have some do sucks. Let's do a quick rapid fire. True or false, Texas will legalize cannabis by 2026. Yeah, false. It depends on, well, that's, like, that's actually not true. It depends on if Dan Patrick's in office, who's our lieutenant governor, the answer is it will not. If he's not in office, then potentially we'll at least have a more robust medical program. What under the radar state do you have your eye on? I don't think there's really any under the radar state. I mean, every, every state, we're at a point now where you pretty much know which states are either, you know, have gone or are going. Um, it'd be great if Florida could go wreck sooner rather than later. But, you know, with the swath of states that have, that have now become adult use on the East Coast, I mean, this is a different ballgame. We're talking about almost two out of three Americans living in a state where there's some type of legalization. I mean, that's huge. Psychedelics as a medicine, yay or nay? Oh, for sure, yay. What causes more disruption in the cannabis industry, interstate commerce or federal legalization? Interstate commerce, 100%. Since you've been in the cannabinoid industry, what has been the biggest misconception? That it's a, you know, get rich quick type situation. Matt, is cannabis being used as a political pawn? If so, why? It absolutely is. And it's because our political machine, D.C., is an absolute disaster area. So, Matt, for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to send you decks for investment. Where can they find you? 
vecpartners.com and send me a note at mhawkins at vecpartners.com. Yeah, we're still looking at deals. We're still raising our third fund. Incredibly excited about what we're doing. You know, despite all this talk, I mean, we're, we're incredibly bullish on where the industry is going. You know, all of these are opportunities, not not really problems. Certainly, like we said, we've been operating, you know, in this environment since we started. So it's exciting that we're getting closer to a change. It's only going to change for the better. Absolutely. Yeah, now is the time to move forward. Thanks so much for taking the time, Matt. Appreciate the conversation. You bet, guys. Take Thank care. You. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.